Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Pues, uh, buenas tardes a toda la gente que están aquí. Oh, wait a minute, I forgot I'm not in Puerto Rico anymore. Yes, yes, I was in Puerto Rico for the last two days. A big 48 hours turnaround trip, <clears throat> which was interesting, to say the least. The weather was a lot nicer there when I left than when I arrived here in Fort Lauderdale. Flight was delayed a half an hour, and I panicked because <laughs> I was just going to make it to do the show as it was. But I did. I made it. And uh, it's just always... Um, it's always challenging for me when I go anywhere. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm going in the States, like to California, or if, going, if I'm going to an island like Puerto Rico, or I'm going across an ocean. When I come back, I'm always like just, I can't even describe it. It's not that I'm in a different time zone, although it is an hour different because they don't do the stupid turn back, turn forward clock thing in Puerto Rico. So... I was an hour ahead there, or an hour behind, I don't know, some kind of hour. But that's not what kind of disturbs my equilibrium. It's speaking another language or trying to get around places where you're not comfortable driving. And I'm in no position to call anybody else a bad driver because I think if anybody has ever been in a car with me, you would say that I'm not a great driver. I don't get into accidents, but I, um, I'm just uh, not a great driver. I do have a tendency to uh, encroach on curbs, especially on the right side. <laughs> but anyway, I, I uh, rented a car in San Juan, had to drive up to Bajadero in Arecibo, where my papa lives. And I picked up my sister first. She was at a hotel in San Juan in Isla Verde. So I picked her up, and then we drove up there. And in this little tiny car, I'd never been in this kind of car before. It's called a Spark, whatever that means, but it's like a two-door car. I can't remember the last time I was in a two-door car. I really can't. And if this was called a back seat, what was there, you have to be a little person. I don't want to use any de defamatory terms, but you'd have to be a really little person to get in the back seat, but we didn't need to put anybody in the back seat. But it was an interesting and, and somewhat challenging trip for me. I went there because it was a health emergency, not mine, but Papa's. And, uh, and I had to do like the, the, the tango. I had 24 hours. All I had was yesterday, Monday, to get everything done. I had to go to court. I had to do this. I had to do that. But I did. We did it. My sister and I did. We pulled it off. So... That's a good thing. But I came back here, and 
it was raining. Now, I'm sure you guys needed the rain because things looked a little parched. But I did not want it to be raining. I wanted it to be beautiful like it was when I left Puerto Rico. Blue skies and, you know, just uh, birds singing. And instead, it was gray, dismal gray. And the, if the birds are singing, I can't hear them. So I don't know. I, 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 I'm trying to get my sea legs back under me. I was watching a little bit of the Israel March in D.C., Kind of interesting. I didn't recognize some of the speakers, or I think I recognized them, but then I was surprised that they were speaking. And then I started looking at this video footage, because I'm trying to catch up on whatever I might have missed, of these, uh, well, how can we, how should I refer to these? These hearings, one of them was the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. I didn't even know there was such a committee, but of course we have to have a million committees, right? And apparently, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, now he's the Republican from Oklahoma, and he happens to be a former MMA fighter, and apparently like a champion MMA fighter. So, <coughs> excuse me, he had, um, he had the Teamsters president, Sean O'Brien, there at the hearing, and they've been like going back and forth trading insults for the last couple of weeks, maybe even months, I don't know, since there was all that brouhaha about the strike. But apparently, the Teamster boss was like accusing the senator, now we're talking about a senator, of uh, picking a fight with him in the hearing room. So the senator accepted the challenge, and he said, let's have an MMA fight for charity, the charity of your choice, whoever wins, the other guy has to give money to their charity. And, they, and he said, he suggested September 30th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'll give you three days to accept. And he put it out there on X, Twitter, whatever people call it these days. And it was, it, it, it's fascinating, but apparently it was getting a little rough. And the chairman of that committee, mind you, is Bernie Sanders. So... Uh, at one point, the, the senator, Mullins, stands up to the Teamster boss, O'Brien, and says, hey, quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. <laughs> this is a senator talking, right? And, and he begins reading the tweet, the June tweet from O'Brien. The tweet was, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made, in reality just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be, quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings, you know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Okay, so he literally called out a senator on X. And so Mullen, when he's in the hearing, said, sir, this is a time, this is a place, you want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults and we can finish it here. Now, I'm already in love with this senator. I you know it's not good decorum. And O'Brien jumps up and goes, okay, that's fine, perfect. You want to do it now? Senator Mullen shoots back. I'd love to do it right now, adds O'Brien. And the taunting starts to escalate. He goes, well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. This is these two guys talking in the Senate hearing. I'm loving this, right? Mullen stands and starts taking his rings off his fingers. 
<laughs> like he's ready. And Bernie Sanders, who's chairing the committee, goes, hold it, stop it. I'm trying to do a Bernie Sanders voice, but I can't because I have a scratchy throat. Hold it, stop it. <laughs> Is that your solution to every problem, O'Brien demands? Stop it. No, sit down. Sit down. You're a United States Senator, Sanders says, trying to regain control. Sit down, please, Sanders adds. Can I respond, O'Brien says? Hold it. Hold it if we can't. No, I have the mic. No, I'm sorry. This is over, Sanders demands again. Can I respond, O'Brien asks? No, you can't. This is a hearing. God knows the American people have enough contempt for Congress. Let's not make it worse. Sanders adds as he went on to lecture them both over their behavior. And in spite of the fact that you got to give Bernie some credit, right? He's standing up to two pretty tough guys. And despite his efforts, these guys keep pushing. They keep, you know, trying to pick a fight. And, uh, and then Sanders keeps asking Mullen, the senator, keep your questioning about economic matters. That was the purpose of this committee hearing. Uh, Mullen has been in the House of Representatives, was first elected to the House of Representatives. He was there from like 2012, I think for eight or 10 years, and then he got elected to the Senate last, last election. But this is a guy who won three mixed martial arts, you know, fights back in 2006 and 2007. So now he and this uh, Teamster boss are going at it, right, on the floor of the Senate. Okay, so I thought, well, that's pretty serious. And then there's another fight happening where this uh, representative, Tim Burchett, he's a Republican. He accuses Kevin McCarthy of elbowing him in the back while he was talking to a reporter this morning after the, the party's conference meeting on Tuesday mornings. They're in the hallway. And Burchett told CNN that while he was speaking with a reporter in the hallway outside of the meeting, Kevin McCarthy shoved by him as he walked past with a security detail. Burchett said that he chased after McCarthy and the two had a conversation. By the way, Kevin McCarthy denied the incident and said, I didn't shove him, I didn't elbow him, it's just a tight hallway. Now, the backstory is that Burchett is what Tim Burchett is one of the eight Republicans who voted to oust McCarthy and has been very critical of the former speaker. And so this altercation is again the latest sign of just what kind of environment we have right now in in our Congress. You know, the Senate committee hearing almost ends in fisticuffs and then two Republican congressmen get into an altercation of some sort in the hallway. And then uh, I guess this uh, Burchett went on CNN later on in the day and called McCarthy a bully. You can't make this stuff up. I got elbowed in the back and it kind of caught me off guard because it was a clean shot to the kidneys, he told Manu Raju, Manu Raju, the guy on CNN. And I turned back and there was Kevin. And for a minute I was kind of like, what the heck just happened? And then I chased after him, of course. Now he's the type of guy, this is Burchett describing the f former Speaker of the House. 
He says, now he's the type of guy that when you're a kid would throw a rock over the fence and run home and hide behind his mama's skirt. I mean, we're turning into a much less civil society, much less. And, you know, people like me are not particularly surprised by any of this. I mean, if you've ever been to Washington and had to get into a conversation with some of these elected representatives, there's a lot of bullies up there, a lot of obnoxious people up there. I have no trouble believing that Kevin McCarthy elbowed this guy in the back. None at all. I have no trouble believing that uh, the senator was calling out the Teamster boss. No trouble at all. The question is, how much further can these guys go? Like, at what point do we become like the uh, Japanese parliament or the uh, British parliament and people just start literally punching each other in the face? Because I don't think we're that far from there. And maybe somebody needs to get a good butt whooping to get these people to fall into some kind of decorum. I don't know. I don't know. But leadership doesn't seem to have much, much, you know, uh, sway over the behavior. The new Speaker of the House endorsed Donald Trump, which, of course, everybody anticipated, but uh, delighted me. You know, and Donald Trump is on proverbial fire. I don't care what everybody in the mainstream media said. Oh, it's really, this is a bad time for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's not having a good week. I've heard that every week for the last like five years. No, I've heard that every week for the last like eight years. And meanwhile, you know, he's winning all the polls. So decorum, forget about it. No more. And now we are literally hearing about a ton of elected representatives who are up to their eyeballs in corruption, including most recently the mayor of New York, Eric Adams. So I'll talk about that. Don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app. It was very useful. I was using the app the whole time that I was away. It's a very, very good app. You should download it on your phone, on your computer, or at least check in at our website, 850wftl.com, so you can participate in any of our contests as well as listen to podcasts, etc., etc., and so forth. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. And just in case, you know, it's kind of interesting because when you're outside of the states, because I'm not out of the country when I'm in Puerto Rico, I'm in the country, I'm in the United States of America. But uh, when you're outside of the continental United States, the news is different. They do it from a very different perspective. And my papa doesn't have a lot of television stations. Like, basically, he's got three. <laughs> and I... I get to watch one news channel. It's not a cable news channel, but it's whatever the the news channel is, you know, the regular uh, channel. And they're talking about the war in Ukraine a lot. 
very little mention about what's going on in Israel. That is not something that they were covering. But the the coverage of the war in Ukraine was pretty chilling because I don't think many of us have been following it. And Vladimir Putin has lost almost half a million Russian soldiers in this war. I, I think the number was something like 320,000 soldiers. That's according to some reports, I think it was the BBC or the United Kingdom's intelligence agencies had reported that. And then they showed all this footage, which I don't think we see footage like this on American television uh, stateside. They had all these, it looked like killing fields, dead Russian soldiers. And, you know, apparently, I guess the Ukrainian um, media put this out. It was really disturbing, I have to be frank. And, uh, and then they have a tally. They have a tally on the station of how many armored vehicles were lost, how many ships and boats had been lost, and how many soldiers. And, you know, the, the, the numbers are ticking away. And I'm thinking, Lord, drones, helicopters, we don't know anything comparatively, and I'm talking about a little island. I don't know what their connection in particular is to the Ukraine. I really don't. But these were military intelligence estimates that revealed the side of this war that, I'm being frank, I didn't know. I didn't know that Russia suffered its biggest losses of the year just now in this uh, push to surround this town, Advidikva. And you can see bit, the, the, the footage that I looked at, I had to turn away. There were tanks that had been blown up. There were bodies all over the battlefield. And uh, I don't know about the rest of you. I, I think the number that I heard, I don't know if it was 320,000 Russian soldiers or 302,000, but I remember there was, it was 300-something thousand. And that's... What I don't remember is if they said they had all been killed or if some of them had been wounded. I really, you know, I'm trying to find it on the, I can't even find a news article, you know, now about it, but there it was intense coverage. Like all these armored vehicles, over 7,000 armored vehicles since February 24th of last year had been lost. That's staggering. Think about that. And meanwhile, I got a, a, a president and a Congress who keeps telling me, like, we got to give more money to the Ukraine. Really? Because then we really are in a proxy war. Because if this is true, if Vladimir Putin has lost, even if it's not through military uh, strikes, but even if it was just through uh, crashes or, or, or accidents, that's a big dent on Russia, 16 vessels lost? Their Navy's not that big. You know, that, that they could sustain 16 vessels lost? This isn't China's Navy. But what bothered me was that we're not seeing, or maybe it's me, but I look every day for news about, you know, what's happening in Ukraine. Um, what does it look like on the battlefields there? And very little coverage. Really, it was heavy duty for a while. Then it stopped being a top news story. And then, of course, uh, the attack on October 7th by Hamas, 
knocked everything else off the off the top of the news pages anywhere everywhere right and in many ways in a disgusting manner but be that as it may so we completely lost sight of this and maybe we should uh, start to refocus our efforts we got a, a a congress where people are getting into fisticuffs or threatening each other with fisticuffs we've got a war going on in Europe, we've got a war going on in the Middle East, multiple wars actually in the Middle East, because we don't even talk about Syria anymore, do we? He's still killing his people, just in case you forgot. Not to mention, the other thing that gets coverage a lot down on the island is what's happening in South America. Like, I don't think we have been paying careful attention to what's happening in Venezuela, I did a lot of that on my podcast. I don't know how many of you got to hear that. And I think uh, that my producer was able to use some of that yesterday. Um, But it's a mess. Venezuela is a mess. And getting worse by the minute. And so now what are we doing is we're giving everybody, you know, a special status to come in and stay into this country. They don't even want to be here. That's the, the chilling part. And that's not the only South American country where things are not looking good. We stopped talking about South Africa, where, by the way, farmers are still being murdered in their beds. Not a story anymore. I, I'm, I don't know about the rest of you, but when I take a step back, which I was able to do for just a 24-hour period, and then I, I say to myself, okay, well, I need to catch up. Let me catch up and I start plugging in different newsworthy subjects that I want to get updated on. It's really stunning what a mess there is out there. And, you know, and the minute I come back, I'm trying to figure out, like, what are the stories that people are talking about or interested in? You know, we certainly have... um, have some things coming up. We have a, a summit coming up in San Francisco, okay? And meanwhile, some TV crew is in San Francisco this week from, I think they were from like the Czech Republic or some, some Eastern European country. And he's in a, a, a bookstore, and I know the bookstore. City Lights is a great bookstore, one of the last great bookstores in the country, and it happens to be in San Francisco, and and him and his cameraman get accosted by three guys with guns wearing masks. And this is right on Columbus Avenue. They took their equipment. They took the footage. The footage is worth money. They targeted the journalists. And here's the kicker and what nobody's talking about. The Apex Summit. It's going to be in San Francisco. You're going to have leaders from 21 economies showing up, including Xi Jinping. And they're all going to be showing up in San Francisco. And they, they think it's the San Francisco of, uh, you know, Jack Kerouac's on the road. 
<laughs> they're all excited. I, yeah, this this camera crew. The guy said, "Oh, I was so happy. I'm going to San Francisco. I'm really looking forward to visiting the city." And he gets robbed at gunpoint. And the City Lights bookstore of all places. This is a place where you go if you're a reader. I'm a reader, or if you're a writer too. It's been the year that the the City Lights and the, you know it's it's interesting. Did you ever get one of those birthday cards that has the year of your birth and then gives you all the headlines from that day? Yeah. Well, when I got that card a couple of years ago, maybe more than a couple, I got one of these cards, 1953. The one of the headlines was City Lights Bookstore opens in San Francisco. And it was like, ooh, this is going to be something special. Still around. But you don't want to go there now because it might steal your footage and your equipment. You know, and now this these guys are scrambling to try and 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 get something. But I know exactly what happened when they called the police. I could tell you cuz it happened to me when I was in San Francisco. They said, "Was anyone hurt?" I said no. They said, okay, well, have a nice day. Click. The, yeah, it's stunning to me. Robbery in San Francisco, it's not a crime. You know, meanwhile, how are they going to have a positive image during this international event if journalists are getting literally held up at gunpoint in a bookstore, in, you know, the late afternoon, early evening, whenever it was. Do you want to go report from there? You know, listen, it's just as dangerous for this team as it would be to be reporting from Dunbask. You know, uh, I just, I just don't, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it how we're just paying attention to everything but the really important stuff. By the way, there was an activist from Hong Kong who got a whole slew of death threats that's coming anyway uh, because, of course, Xi Jinping is coming. So if you don't think there's going to be some Taiwan uh, controversies in San Francisco, think again. Anyway, let me take a break. Don't touch that dial. Stay right where you are. I mean, I'm back, and I cannot believe how much has changed just in my in terms of my perspective, uh, in just for the last forty eight hours, stay right where you are. And of course, there was very little news about Israel, as I said, um, very little, stunningly little. So I got back home and I started looking at a lot of this stuff. And of course, the minute I got into the car, my husband had picked me up and he said, "There's a march in Washington." I said, "I heard." And he goes, the weather's beautiful, and it, there's a lot of people there. And I'm thinking, okay, that's good news. And then I go online, and I don't see a lot of people there, but okay. And I'm reading these news stories on the ride up on my, you know, f- my phone that there the the defense minister, the gallant, has declared. Now, first of all, that's an odd term to use. He has declared that Hamas has lost control of the Gaza Strip. And I'm not quite sure, what does he mean by that? Lost control, do they still have 200 and some odd hostages? Because that's more control than I think they should have. And they're a terrorist organization. Why would they control anything? So the IDF is 
apparently just, you know, bombing and crapping all over the Gaza Strip because they have no choice. They got to defend their citizens, right, against the threats. I mean, these aren't just threats anymore. I'm looking at some of this footage. More footage is coming out. It's very disturbing. Little kids, I'm talking about 10-year-olds, were involved in, in breaching the fence. And they're there cheering on the uh, murderers and laughing. Like, what kind of hope do we have for a world where like a 10 or 11-year-old child is applauding murder and rape and, and, and pillaging? It's beyond my comprehension because, you see, even if you bought into the lie that this is a um, insurgent, you know, that these are revolutionaries trying to take their Gaza Strip back or whatever, even if you buy that lie, it's a lie. But if you do buy that, do you really make your 10-year-olds part of it? Most of the time, if there's a war, we shield our children as much as possible. We shield... um women, uh, senior citizens, like we protect the most vulnerable of the population. We don't, we don't send them into the battlefield. Who takes a 10-year-old with them into a mass slaughter? I, I just, you know, I, every time I see more coming out, I, I just, I don't even shake my head anymore. I just, I literally tear up all the time because it's just so sad. You know, it's why I'm not surprised that I got congressmen elbowing each other in the hallways and I've got senators picking fights with Teamster bosses. This is a, this is a level of grotesque behavior all over the world on a 24-7 basis. Nothing is sacred. Nothing makes sense to me on some days. You know, you, you're, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. I know you can't. Tomorrow night I have to speak in front of a group that's demoralized. I get it. You know, we're all demoralized. It's kind of hard to look at what's going on in the world and feel like, you know, there's hope. I'm a very optimistic person. I'm also a very angry person right now. And when I say angry, I'm angry that we have allowed some of these situations to get so far out of hand that there's no one leading. It's just a big, like, food fight all over the world. And we ignore stories. We can't even make sense of stories. Sometimes we sit here and we try to, you know, just tr to, to be dispassionate when we look at a story. Like, I try to put myself in the position of people who support the, the opposite of what I support. I can't. You know, I will never be able to accept sending a 10-year-old into a slaughter, into a battlefield. I don't care w what you're fighting for or fighting against. Children should be protected from that ugliness at all times. And yet, you can't be surprised at any of this anymore. I was reading a, an article on the way here in, um, I don't know, I picked up some kind of publication. And it was an article, uh, there's apparently some pushback 
on these scholastic book fairs. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I remember scholastic book fairs from my childhood. And I certainly remember when my kids were going to school, it was like a big deal. Mom, I need some money, the book fair, you know, and they'd give you like this little printout, uh, look like a cartoon paper, and you could check off the books and give your kid the amount of money that they need to purchase these books, right? And my kids would always request like whatever the, the you know, the, the hot reading material was in their age group, like, you know, if it was Raoul Dahl or, you know, I guess now my grandkids, it would be like the um, the Harry Potter books or, I don't know, my, my grandson Ben reads some other series. And so that would be the kind of stuff that kids would check off and you'd give them enough money to get them. They were soft, soft cover books, so they were affordable. I'm reading this article, the kind of books that are being offered now at the Scholastic Book Fair, and it's like horrific. I don't think parents really are paying any attention at all. But all of this, you know, sexual and gender stuff that's being promoted in a scholastic book fair, I'm just scratching my head. Like, at what point do we say, this isn't working? You know, we're, we are irresponsible in terms of what kind of information our children are consuming. And then there are cultures that's so irresponsible, they send their 10-year-olds into the battlefield. You know, what hope? What hope are people supposed to have for, for this? You know, there's a lot of kids growing up in, in, with red alert sirens going off right now as you and I sit here uh, wondering if we're going to have uh, chili or shrimp for dinner tonight. You know, and there are children right now who are trying to figure out if they're even going to get, if there's a table to sit at where they'll be safe to eat a meal. It's not a, it's not a, not a good luck for humankind. Really not. And I won't quit. I'm going to fight. Things go wrong as they will. The road we're trudging seems all uphill. You're feeling low and stress is high. You want to smile. You have to sigh. Just pray and don't quit. That's all I can say. I am spending way more time than I ever have before. And I've always been a prayer warrior, but boy, I'm praying now because I just see so much disaster on every side and not sure, you know, if we're not, well, I am sure that in many ways we are to blame. Anyway, let me take uh, my final break today. Remember, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, the Overnight Guys, and then 6 a.m., Jen and Bill be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade. Then he's followed by Dan Bongino, and then I'll be back at 3 o'clock. But I have one segment left today, so please stay with me. I have a final uh, couple of words that I really need to I really need to share with you. Stay right where you are. So there's, uh, you know, no question in my mind that we're getting half stories about a lot of things. Like right now, there is this really scary strong link between the Chinese government and the Palestinian Authority. I mean, Beijing said it fully supports the one China policy tenet of the PA. Now, what does that mean? That they have some relationship that's now expanding. China 
is getting more and more political clout every day all over the world, and we are receding. Now think about that. We, we are the ostensible best leaders of the free world. Why? Because number one, we believe in freedom. We, we're not colonialists. We're not, well, I guess we are hypocrites, but uh, who isn't? But we are not conquering lands. We're not invading countries. And certainly we're not, dis well, we're not being very nice to our own people, but we're not killing them. And I look at this and I think to myself, China's leading right now. And, and an alliance between China and Russia, an alliance between China and the Palestinian Authority, an alliance between China and Iran, this is not good for the world. I'm not concerned about whether we have prestige. I'm concerned about whether we can hope for peace at any point, anywhere on planet Earth when the most powerful player becomes China? And I, the more I'm reading, the more I realize they're using money to buy this kind of favor status with all kinds of ruthless garbage mongers like the Palestinian Authority. They don't care. You know, they, they kill the Uyghurs. Those are... Those are Muslims, but apparently the Palestinian Authority doesn't make the connection. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, they're not bad guys. They are bad guys, and they are nuclear-armed bad guys. So, look, um, when I think about where we are compared to where we were as a nation just 10, 20 years ago, I'm fearful for the whole world, you know. Listen, we brought on our, you know, our own demise and that we have to deal with. But the world, the world is suffering as a direct result. Bad guys are winning a lot of conflicts and that's not, that's not good for the world. Anyway, I'm back. Thank you uh, for those of you who didn't even notice I was gone. That's better. <laughs> and, uh, and we did, thank God for my producer. She was able to put together shows and do what needed to be done. So uh, that's it for me. I'll be back tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then I always tell you that I hope that God will bless you, God will bless Israel, and God will bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.